Amen, brothers. It's great to see everybody. Uh, I know some brothers are still logging on here. Um, before we uh, jump into the lesson, I wanted to share uh, a few uh, announcements and remind us of a few things coming up. Okay, uh, first off, this Sunday we'll be back at Clifton High School at 10 a.m. Okay, Rob, you want to put those up? There we go. Okay, so this Sunday we'll be back at Clifton High School at 10 a.m. Um, this Saturday, we will be having our marriage workshop entitled Reunited, and uh, the amazing Dale and Thais Porter will be coming. Uh, if you not had a chance to register, please do so. Um, you know, guys, it's nothing like hearing stories that are unbelievable. And, and they have an unbelievable story uh, that God has worked a miracle in their lives. And, and I don't want to give it all away, but uh, I do want to encourage you, if you have not registered, to do so. This is the kind of thing that if you, you, know, you have friends that come, can literally be life-changing. And, um, and again, I'm just grateful for their relationship and that they'll um, they, they're going to share their story, they're going to share from the word, uh, and they're going to allow the spirit to, to really encourage them. Uh, I do want to remind us, though, for those that are, are registered or coming, um, we're going to have a light breakfast from 9 to 9.45 in the sanctuary, and then, I'm sorry, in the uh, community room, and then from the community room, we'll go over to the sanctuary where the classes will begin at 10 a.m. And then from there, um, uh, if you brought, if uh, there'll be a two hour lunch break uh, to give people time to go to the nearby restaurants right there in Montclair, or you could bring your lunch and eat it in the community room. And just, you know, we're gonna have a great time of fellowship. Uh, and, and so we wanted to, um, you know, make it kind of user friendly then when we come back from lunch, we'll have separate classes for the men and women, and uh, and then we'll be done by 2.30. So um, again, that promises to be a great day. And then Dell uh, will be preaching to us on Sunday in the Northeast, and, uh, and Thais will be sharing in the communion. So we're, 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 we are uh, in for a treat. Um, next slide. We'll... Uh, the Hope Worldwide is in partnership with the Newark Police, April 22nd, uh, Cycles Hope and Respect. Uh, basically, they're having an event to teach kids how to ride bikes. Um, and it's it's going to you know really be a, a great event. If you have more questions, again, there's um, details on the uh, announcement sheet. Okay, next slide. Okay, the New York City... Church of Christ Edge Ministry Worship Service will be Sunday, April 23rd in Brooklyn. Um, this is, again, it's going to be a phenomenal time. Uh, so uh, we uh, want to definitely uh, encourage all of our singles to be there. Uh, but more importantly, man, let's bring somebody with us to hear the good news. And then the next slide, we will be having on the 28th of April, the New Jersey Edge Ministry, Alive in Christ, will be having a special guest, Sam Manning, who's going to be um, leading that uh, devotional that night. 
And uh, again, it promises to be a great time together. Again, if you missed anything, you can go to the website, gardenstatechurch.com, and um, you can get the details there. Amen? All right. Thank you, Rob, sharing that. All right. Well, brothers, I want to, uh, again, welcome you. And um, tonight, I, I wanted to, uh, to, to share uh, somewhat of a brief lesson. Um, you know, we just had our Easter service um, on Sunday. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it makes me, you know, think about after Easter, you know, and um, it's like, what happens after we celebrate Easter, you know, that Jesus conquers death and literally rises from the grave. You know, in Acts chapter one, after Jesus had rose, you know, we know that for 40 days he spoke about the kingdom and it was like a group of 120 disciples, but there was something that was really significant that happened. And uh, in Acts chapter one, if uh, you got your Bible there, I'm gonna read this passage in verse 21. It says, therefore, it was necessary to choose one of the men who had been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Acts 1 verse 22, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must be a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two men you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas, I'm sorry, uh, found a place there, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they, then they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. And, you know, brothers, when I was, I'm reading that and I'm thinking, wow, what happens after Easter? What happened after Jesus resurrected? God chose Matthias to be an apostle. He chose him to be a witness to the resurrection. And you got to think about how incredibly special he must have felt to be chosen to be one of the apostles that would now go and be a witness to Jesus's resurrection. And, you know, there's one thing that, that I, I think, man, after the celebration of Easter, one of the things that I believe should be in our hearts and mind, because we understand what Jesus's resurrection uh implies and, 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 and has done is that it's given us the power over sin in our lives. It's literally given us power to live new lives. 
that because Jesus rose, not only will we rise one day, it literally changes our lives. And so I thought, man, how about looking at one of the most powerful conversion stories in the scriptures? And so I want to ask you to turn over to Acts chapter 9. And we're going to read this together. And, uh, you know, I'm going to make a few points here. And then we're going to end with a prayer. And so Acts chapter 9, we're going to talk about Saul's conversion. Because, brothers, if there's one thing that we have to remember is that God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And I know that there are many of us that have family members, we have friends, uh, we have children, we have grandchildren, you know, that we desire and, and, and pray that God would help them uh, to, to be in Christ and to understand this, this resurrection. And so let's look at one of the most actually longest conversion in the scriptures. Um, and uh, we'll start here in Acts chapter nine. And so again, a little background. We know that the, the church has started. Uh, it's begin to spread. Um, Stephen gets up. He, he, he preaches to the Sanhedrin. And in that time, uh, you know, they, they get hard hearted. They, they attack him and then they stone him. And at his uh, stoning is a young man named Saul who was given approval for his death. And so now Saul is convinced that this new sect of Christianity needs to be uh, it's not in Christianity, it, it, this, this new sect of the way, uh, it, it needs to be squashed. And, and he sees himself as God's agent to, to fix this wrong uh, group that, that is, um, you know, talking about this, this risen Christ. And so in Acts chapter 9, it says in verse 1, Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any who there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. 
In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to, to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. You know, guys, it's amazing that without technology, the word was like getting around. They, they, had, they had some kind of social media <laughs> to be able to know what was going on. And, and here Ananias is, you know, he's reluctant and, and, and letting the Lord know that. But then it goes on and he says, and he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for, your, for, for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he reg regained his strength. You know, brothers, what I want to talk about tonight is, is God's eyes. And when I say God's eyes, I mean, how does God see things? You know, you and I can see things the way we see it. And the reality is every one of us can have a different perspective on what we see. But if you and I could see things the way God saw them, then we would look at this situation uh, very, very differently. You know, the Bible teaches us in uh, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, that God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your, way, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, I think one of the things God is wanting us to remember is that we need his perspective. We need his mentality. We need his attitude. And, and just to even ask God to help us see things from his perspective is really, really important. Because again, our perspective is going to be tainted depending on our experiences, depending on the things that maybe happen in our lives. And here's the facts. Saul hated Christians. Not only was he a hater of Christians, he was eager to travel almost 130 miles over six days just to imprison Christians. And see, the Christians couldn't even imagine Saul becoming a Christian. You heard it in Ananias' voice. God's telling him, hey, here's what I want you to do. Here's who this guy is. He's like, uh, I don't know about that, Lord. You know, uh, 
Ananias had difficulty believing that Saul was really open. But brothers, here's the difference. God saw in Saul what no one else saw. He sees what we don't see. And so this is why it's so important that we don't rely on what we think or what we feel, but that we learn to rely on God. That we learn to rely on his word. That we learn to rely on his spirit. See, it's different when you are connected to God and you're not basing things off of past experiences or maybe, you know, character weakness that you see in people. Because if that were the case, doll on it, Saul, there would have been no hope for him. But, you know, God saw something much deeper that you and I desperately need to see. See, we have to see people differently if we're going to have the kind of impact that Saul eventually had because, man, he was filled with the Spirit. He was filled with what, what does God want? And, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how when you are really walking with God, man, there's something that is, it's like very obvious, you know? And see, God will work through us if we don't limit him with our small, narrow-minded thinking. See, I know sometimes I'm having, <laughs> uh, I'll have challenges even, you know, with, with my wife because we just think so differently. But I'm realizing God has got her in my life to help me see some things that I would never see it that way. And it's really funny how I'm like, wow, I, I, never, I never thought of that. But, you know, brothers, we should be thankful for the people that are in our lives like that. It may be your spouse. It may be a brother in your life team. Maybe even somebody in your, you know, your, your, your uh you know, in, in your life, your, uh, yeah, your, your life team uh, or other relationship, man, appreciate the differences. Take the time to say, okay, let me, let me see, let me hear, and let, let me get a different perspective. Because I know when I am just bent on what I think is right, man, I, I need to back up and I, and I, I need to get, get, get some input, you know, hey, what, what, what do you think about this here? You know, we should be thankful that Ananias put his thoughts and feelings aside and brought into God's vision. Because if Saul didn't become a disciple, man, wow. I mean, the Bible, especially the New Testament, would be completely different if this man wasn't a part of the equation. But see, we must do the same as we get ourselves out of the way and let God lead us and take, uh, take over in our lives, our thoughts, our feelings, as well as our future. It is so imperative that we get out of the way because what God wants to do 
is he wants to work through us. He wants to work through us, but we, we got to be open and we got to ask and, and, and beg him for, for those eyes. God's, God, help me see this from your perspective. You know, I'd encourage you even asking yourself, what is the right and spiritual way to think in this situation? God, show me how should I see this? Because sometimes we can be seeing things from a, a distorted view. Um, let, let's keep going here. So brothers, the high priest who Saul went to for permission to imprison Christians was named Caiaphas. And in 1990, November of 1990, one of the most significant New Testament-related archaeological discoveries happened in Jerusalem. And there was an archaeologist who they were doing some um, excavating and accidentally exposed a second temple period tomb, which... Um, the, the archaeologist's name was Z-I-V, Z-V-I, Ziv Greenhut of the Israeli Antiquities Authority, um, who was leading the excavation. And so they found this tomb with, uh, where it was inscribed with the name Caiaphas. And as soon as it became clear that this was a tomb belonging to the Caiaphas family inside of this magnificently decorated tomb inscribed with the name Joseph Bar Caiaphas were bones of a 60 year old male. And uh, th this is uh, definitely uh, the remains of the high priest mentioned here in the New Testament and referred to by uh, the historian Josephus. And um, again, just literally the first physical remains found of a specific person that's mentioned in the New Testament. And I was like, man, this is really amazing. You know, sometimes, again, people want to question the Bible. Or they want to question, is this true? Is that true? And it's like, man, this is this all lines up. You know, um, and, and I think it's important because, you know, you can't argue with, with facts. And, and, and when you look at history and you see the different things that, um, you know, led up to the, the resurrection and then things like this, it just reconfirms, guys, what we have is God's truth. These things happened, and, uh, and, and it should give us great courage. But, um, you know, in this conversation that when, when, when Saul was blinded, Saul had some questions. <laughs> and then, you know, there's a recent Gallup survey, uh, survey, survey asked people what three questions they would most like to ask God. And I, I want to read a few of them here. And these were the top responses. Number one, will there, and, and I want you to listen to this, will there ever be lasting world peace? 
Number two, how can I be a better person? Number three, what does the future hold for my family and me? Number four, will there ever be a cure for all diseases? And number five, why is there suffering in the world? And you know, it's interesting as you think about those questions, it's really interesting. And it's strange that people are asking and wanting to know questions that God's already answered in the Bible. The answers <laughs> to those questions are already in the Bible. But Saul, Saul asked the right questions. And see, Saul asked two questions. And this is really important. Saul asked God two questions. Who are you, Lord? And what shall I do, Lord? See, these are great questions. And see, once Saul knew who Jesus was, he wanted to know immediately, God, what do you want me to do personally? And brothers, truth is, we should be asking God the same question. We should be asking God, God, what do you want me to do with my time? What do you want me to do with what, 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 with what you've given me? Now, as in the case of Saul, God had obviously some things that he wanted him to do. He says, hey, this man is going to be my chosen instrument. And you know, he's going to do this. He's going to go before the Gentiles. He's going to go before King. So God had a plan literally laid out for Saul before his journey began. And he had a path that he wanted him to travel. And I just want you to stop and think for a second, brothers. The que this question displays a heart that is God-centered instead of man-centered. See, Paul's heart was, I long to do what you want. I want you to be in control of my life. Not a heart that wanted to have control, but a heart that wanted to be controlled. And see, we gotta, we, we gotta be careful and we gotta watch. When we ask God this question, with a sincere heart, well, brothers, we're in for an adventure. You know, I was in a Bible study last Thursday, and one of the things that uh, in that Bible study, we were, we were talking about, um, you know, we, we've been studying the book of Acts with a young man, and it was really challenging um, because we decided, hey, we're going we're gonna to take the one, one a day challenge in that, you know, we were going to be disciples, and we're going to share the word, you know, each day, just one day. And, you know, to be honest, the first few days, um, I got totally distracted. And I've been reaching out to friends that I've known, but we were talking about meeting new people because we wanted to see God work. And, man, I remember calling the brothers up and saying, man, I blew it. Did not happen today. And then the next day, Oh, did not happen today. And it was like, okay, what is going on here? I'm saying I want to do this, but then it wasn't happening. 
and it was like, okay, you, you got to repent here. And, 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 but it felt like, oh man, I'm getting easily distracted doing other things and kind of forgetting. And so I remember, you know, texting the brothers and, and we just encouraged each other. Hey, this is not about uh, a performance, but let's get back up. And, and, and stay out there remembering that God's with us. You know, I think it's really easy sometimes to get so inward focused that you just look at what you're doing or what you're not doing. And if you don't feel good about it, it just can shut you down. You know, Paul asked those questions. Who are you, Lord? What shall I do? And again, I think we have to continue to ask that question ourselves, whether it's, you know, with our families or with our children or, you know, at our jobs or, in, you know, just in the future. God, what, what, what is it that, that you would have? You know, brothers, in this passage, we see Paul miraculously blinded and knocked off his horse by Jesus. He then acknowledges Jesus as his Lord, and then he obeys what Jesus says. He goes to the house. He's praying and fasting for three days after realizing that he'd been persecuting God's people. And I believe when Paul had these realizations, man, he must have felt incredibly, incredibly guilty. However, none of, none of this forgave Paul and saved him. He wasn't forgiven and saved until he was baptized into Christ. And if you turn over to Acts 22, 16, you know, and you could read that later, but he, he, he was, you know, the Bible says he's calling on his name and, you know, and then we know that he became a Christian at that point. You know, I, I, I bring this up because I think it's, it's super important that we remember that salvation is a gift from God to man. Man can never make up for his sin by self-improvement or good works, but only by trusting in Jesus Christ as God's offer of forgiveness can man be saved from sin's penalty. Eternal life begins the moment one um, decides to repent and be baptized into Christ. You know, there are a lot of teachings in our world today that says, well, that's not important. That's not necessary. And brothers, when you look at the Bible, you have got to be clear about what God says about when someone becomes a Christian. You know, again, if we look at his conversion, we see that if, you know, someone, you know, says, hey, just come put your hand on the television and pray with me. Um, okay, that's not what you see in the Bible. You don't see that in Paul's conversion. And we got to really be careful to be clear about what false doctrines look like because if it's not in the scriptures boy we better 
buckled, buckle in and, and go back to the word. You know, think about this. Saul came to faith when Jesus knocked him off his horse, blinded him and told him who he was, but that did not save him. Saul prayed and Saul fasted for three days after finding out that he'd been persecuting the son of God. And I'm sure in that time, he prayed for forgiveness many times during that time. But that didn't save him. It's in Acts 2. I'm sorry, Acts 22, 16 through 16, 6 through 16. We read the same story of Saul's convert, con conversion. And Saul calls Jesus Lord and obeys him as Lord. But that didn't save him. The reason we know that none of the above saved him is that it is after all of this, Ananias told Saul, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. See, Saul was forgiven when he was baptized in water, not before. And we are saved when we are forgiven from our sins. Therefore, Saul was saved when he was baptized. Every person in the Bible after the resurrection of Jesus was forgiven for their sins in the same way. Though, though, through faith in Jesus, repentance and baptism, not a single person in the Bible prayed a sinner's prayer to be saved. Not a single person did penance to, to, to be saved. And as I said, we have to be crystal clear about how someone becomes a Christian, because then we won't have conviction enough to point them back to the word. You know, two weeks ago, there was a young man that became a Christian, <laughs> actually in our backyard, and uh, it was Cameron McGaney. And um, I said, you know, in 32 years, I've never seen anything like this before. And, um, but I thought, man, this is, this is, it's cute, it's cool, but it was biblical. The young man studied the word, he repented and got baptized and it, and it made him dance. And so, you know, as we wrap this up here, I want to encourage us to remember we need God's eyes, brothers. We need to see things from his perspective. We need his word. We need his spirit. And with that, we're going to see beyond the surface. When somebody says something, man, we don't need to be argumentative. But man, we want to be encouraging to, to ask questions like, well, where did you get that from? Why do you believe what you believe? Where, where does it say that in the scriptures? And, you know, to see a teenager take the time and make that decision, uh, it was worth the while. So we're going to close out with this video after he uh, was baptized. Here's what happened. <laughs> Hey, I've been thinking about 
Amen. All right, let's pray together, brothers. Father, thank you so much that we have your word. Father, thank you for your unbelievable love and the fact that you have a plan, not just for our lives, but every individual that we see, every person in our neighborhood, in our uh, community, in, in our, you know, in, in, in on our street, at our jobs, you literally have a plan for everybody. And God, I thank you for the plan that you have for us. God, help us stay on the path. Help us stay in your word. Help us continue to seek and ask for your will to be done. Show us what your will is in, you know, give any uh, given situation. And God, I ask that you would continue to help us to not just be how we are. Help us be men that are moved because Jesus overcame death and sin and therefore has empowered us to live completely different lives. There's nothing too hard for us. There's nothing too hard for you. But because of your spirit living in us, God, we, we're overcomers. Sin does not have control over us. And neither does death. God, because Jesus rose from the dead, God, help us be bold. Help us be fearless. Help us not be more concerned with what people think rather than thinking about their souls, that we're willing to interrupt them. We're willing to uh, push a little bit uh, to, to, to encourage them because of what we believe. And I'm not talking about being rude, but I'm talking about being courageous and bold because we love people. And so please fill us with compassion. And God, I, I know that there are, um, you know, uh, a few men that are studying the Bible right now. I pray that they could too become disciples and see their need for you and that you would just open the hearts so that your word can get in and that we can uh, ultimately be like your son. Thank you again for all that you do, Lord. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.